2: And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host Adam
3: Scalina, and I'm your host Matt Scalina.
2: And Matt, I'm super excited for today because we've got Alan Forger. He is uh, with RBC down in Florida. He's been in the U.S. since around 2000, and he's he's focusing on financing and real estate in the U.S.
3: Yeah, cross border banking and lending, U.S. banking for Canadians. Allen also has his real estate license in Florida, and he's been down there since, I think, 2000. And before right. that, the Caribbean, before that in Quebec. So really well-traveled, knows tons about real estate and how and why owning property in the United States is exciting for Canadians.
2: And part of the reason we wanted to bring Alan on today is we've had a lot of people reach out. Just you know, interested in the U.S. talking about cash flow opportunities in the U.S. and just wanting to wanting to know more. The reality is that there might be some opportunities coming up in the U.S. That's and right. it depending on how uh, how uh, how things go with the economy. And um, chances are there will be definitely some Canadians eyeing up properties down uh, down
3: south. Absolutely. You know, easier to cash flow for the most part, uh, and especially in this last year with the strength of the U.S. dollar. Uh, cash flow in American dollars is never a bad thing, uh, and especially not lately. So stay tuned uh, for our talk with Alan. This is a great one. Such a nice guy. So insightful down in Florida. And uh, we we also talked to him. I think when this is released, this is, will this is, we're, we're doing this. I'm still in Vancouver. I'm, I'm talking to you on the 16th of December. We'll be releasing this next Thursday when we'll both be sipping margaritas in Colombia. but let's get to the Columbia files. What's going on? Uh, what's going down Cartagena way? Yeah,
2: you know, it's, uh, it's interesting. Uh, I, one thing is I went by, this is actually something you're going to really enjoy on account of your, uh, Tips don't lie. T-shirt. Uh, I I went by Shakira's house the other day. She uh, I, and, I know uh,
3: she's from that area, of Columbia. That's incredible. She's still well. I, I got so many questions. She's still there. Yeah. One what was the mansion. One,
2: he, I had binoculars. But <laughs> <laughs> question number two. Uh, no, I. You know what? It's a. It's a bit of. She's not. I don't think she's here. We we went. But I had no idea. I was actually. Um, How did you find I was out? In a, so we yeah, we took the kids in this like horse-drawn carriage ride around the city and that was one of the things he pointed out, the guy who was uh who was taking us on this on this tour. He said that's Shakira's house. So we all kind of had a look. It's a bit of a tier 2 property to
3: tell you the truth. Really? What what? Yeah. What, what yeah. design, location?
2: <laughs> no, you know, it's on it's, a okay, busy street. So it's,
3: it's, <laughs> Facing on, the dumpster.
2: It's on a busy street it's on a it's on a busy street it's uh it's nice it's nice it's it's looking out to the water it's kind of a contemporary modernist kind of aesthetic and but it it uh and it's cool it's in a great location but yeah it's a pretty busy busy street but it it's it's around the uh where the old old wall is and where the water is so she's looking out to the water but yeah traffic is is uh there's a lot of traffic there
3: Interesting. Man, okay, I'll yeah. have to uh I can't wait. I want to see it. I was in Latin America in 1997 shortly after one of her De uh, Donde Esta Las Ladrones dropped uh one of her breakout albums. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to Not say, that you're
2: a super fan.
3: No, no, you know it was 99. It might have been 99 when I was there, but it it, it was on uh Man, I've been a huge fan ever since and uh so th- so that's definitely exciting. It, it,
2: That was the first thing to to bump your uh, MTV Unplugged Manaw album, I think.
3: (laughs) Which, by the way, has been on repeat uh, Manaw Essentials since, for about the last (laughs) week, I'm just getting ready. I'm getting ready to go down. Because you know what, at first actually, like I like reggaeton as much as, as Rocky, you know, he was the guy who liked, the uh, recent <laughs> guest Rocky Sethy, big fan of reggaeton. But if you go, so Apple music, and I know I'm the only one who uses, uh, that service, but you can go country by country, top 100. The problem is, so I was like, all right, I'm going to start doing a lot of Cumbia, uh, like Columbia top 100, but it's just all bad bunny. Like it's all reggaeton. Uh, there's right. nothing. I feel like it's, yeah, nothing super specific to Colombia. So, so yeah, it's back to back to uh, Manon, that's for sure.
2: Right, right. Well, you know, speaking of uh, music services, uh, I got to bring this up because Spotify just sent us their. Uh, you know, they're doing like the rap,
3: the rap, twenty twenty two rap.
2: Yeah, so check this out. So they they do that for people. Like, if you have your Spotify, they they tell you what you listen to the most your most played albums, your, you know, whatever, right. All your stats for the year. If you're a podcaster and you have your podcast on Spotify, which we do, um, they, they send your kind of your, your top stats and, um, interesting facts about your show. So we actually just received, uh, the wrapped, uh, thing last night. How do we, how do we do? And a couple, couple standout stats, which, uh, you know, very thankful for the V rep community here, but, we are in the top 5% of Spotify pod- podcasts, which is kind of crazy.
3: Um, it's like pretty, us, pretty Joe Rogan, uh, yeah. Fresh Air, Terry Gross.
2: us and then Joe Rogan. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the order. Uh, <laughs> don't fact check. Uh, but, then, but then the other thing that's actually really great is uh, we were in the top 1% of most shared globally. So it kind of gives you a sense of how many people are interested in our market around the world. Um, really wow. exciting for sure. But there's a ton of stuff. I shared it on our Instagram at Vancouver real estate podcast on Instagram. So check that out. But yeah, overall uh, really, really uh, happy about how this year has gone for the show, for the V rep community. And uh, I think there's only bigger things coming in 2023.
3: Absolutely. So this is the last show of the year. So everyone, Merry Christmas, Happy holidays. We'll be back in 2022, but don't turn it off. Let's cut to our talk. This is a good one. Alain Forger with RBC.
2: Yeah, fantastic. Can't wait for this. Enjoy. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds,
3: all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Markon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Berquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markonca slash Elmwood for
2: more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sonehouse, House, Marcon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one-beds to three-beds, Sonehouse House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at Marcon.ca slash sownhouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at Marcon.ca or follow them at Instagram at Marconhomes. Marcon, Building for Life. Okay, so we're here with Alain Forget. Canadian living in Florida, who has been with RBC for over 20 years and uh, living in in the States since 1995, and also a licensed real estate agent. Uh, Welcome, Elaine.
1: Thank you, Adam and Matt. Great to be with you today.
3: Yeah, no, thanks so much for your time. We know you have an interesting story. Can you start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, And again, it's a pleasure to be with you. And yeah, actually, it's been uh, over 40 years that I've been with RBC. Uh, half of my career north of the border, and as you just mentioned, half of it uh, south of the border, based in Florida since 2000. And uh, yeah, worked. Uh, you know, in 2004. The bank uh, was looking to start a cross-border strategy to help the Canadians with U.S. banking and U.S. financing needs. So, I was the one who started with the piece of paper, and uh, now, eighteen years later, we gained a lot of experience in that uh, space
2: and um, how How did you get your start in real estate
1: actually yeah, that's a good question too uh you know uh, as a national uh, uh director of business development for r b c bank u s a based here in Florida, actually because we are a full cross-border bank to help Canadians with their U.S. banking needs and also financing needs in the U.S. So we basically, uh, for me uh, in my role, I realized uh, about ten years ago that it will be good because I work closely with the real estate professionals like you both uh, on the Canadian side, on the U.S. side to educate, uh, to share some cultural insights and all that. So for me, it was important to better understand the the needs or the Challenges or the opportunities that uh, you know are uh, available for realtors from both sides of the border. So I, I get my I got my license for Florida about eight years ago, and uh, about four years ago I did also my uh, designation of CIPS, which is as you know Certified International Property Specialist, and just to better again understand the opportunity. And when I speak with you know uh, two uh, real estate professionals. To uh, really kind of be more sensitive to the opportunities, and of course, from the consumer standpoint, to better position ourselves, uh, helping them to achieve what their goals are in real estate.
2: And I'm just thinking about so you, you're you're French Canadian, you're originally from Quebec, um, and then you end up in the south south of Florida. So what what prompted the move, and uh, and how was that process decision process? Uh, what was that like? Oh
1: uh, yes, yeah, sure. Uh, Actually, in uh, two in 1995, back back then, (laughs) I was in private banking in wealth management, uh, domestic private banking in Montreal, and uh, the bank had an opportunity for me to go and lead a private banking uh, team in the Caribbean. So when uh, we left uh, my family and I uh, in 95, we actually lived uh, in the Caribbean in the Bahamas, uh, and we were covering like. uh, ABC Bank International Wealth Management. So our base in, in in the Bahamas, but we had offices in Cayman, Barbados, uh, Barbados. It was in Bermuda at that time. So we had clients there who were international, global, uh, you know, high net worth, of course, wealthy individuals from all over the world and uh, asset, uh, you know, investment and uh, of course structure ownership structure and all that from the Caribbean. So I, I worked there for five years and then. After my assignment of five years, the bank offered me to lead the private banking team at the Miami International Wealth Management office in 2000, and that's what brought us in in Florida uh, back then in 2000. And in 2004, beginning of 2004, that's where the bank asked me in LA. You've been moving around from one country to another. You understand the needs of Canadian relocating and all that. So, will you like to start this cross-border strategy? So. I I actually work now, obviously for RBC Bank USA, who is a fully owned subsidiary of World Bank of Canada. But we are a US bank, and we are of course a US national residential lender for Canadians only.
2: Elaine, one one of the reasons that we wanted to have you on is is because Matt and I both have considered investing in the US over the years and have looked into financing options and i got to say after a lot of due diligence rbc seems to be maybe one of the only major canadian banks that actually seems to to do financing in the states kind of in a meaningful way i would i would say or it seems to be i guess the most uh, successful kind of cross border bank is that fair to say and can can we talk a little bit about rbc and and just how expansive it is in the us and 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 why you think uh, it, it seems to be uh, the major player.
1: Yeah, sure. And, and and you know, you're exactly right on that, uh, Matt, because truly, as you know, a lot of Canadians, they are connected with the U.S., one way or the other. They may uh, be traveling just for leisure, pleasure, vacation. They might be traveling for business. They might have family members in the U.S. They may you know, buy U.S. property and then spend time between Canada and the U.S. So whatever the, life, the cross-border lifestyle is, this is w- where RBC Bank, back in 2004, we realized that a lot of our high-value RBC Royal Bank clients in Canada were also having U.S. banking needs and U.S. financing needs. So for us, we said, you know, it was very simple actually, a uh, focus was to help our value RBC clients and can, Canadian consumers with you know any u s finance uh, financing needs and and of course banking needs. and that's where we created and at that time uh, back then, RBC Bank was having a, a domestic uh, regional domestic platform with branches and all that for for Americans as well as of course helping Canadians. In 2012, we sold uh, all our domestic um, uh, base of branches, client, US, uh, American client base, and all that. So we sold this part to another bank we wanted to expand in the Southeast of the US. So we became very early, 10 years ago, we became a full direct digital bank. So Canadians, or can can just work and transfer funds between Canada and the U.S., connect with their accounts here in the U.S., pay deals online when they own properties in the U.S., transfer funds and all that. So we, we made it very, very seamlessly, uh, very efficiently, uh, Full digital online, you can transfer real-time money from your account in Vancouver with RBC to an account with RBC Bank in the U.S. And, and all of that. And then we realized that Canadians were the number one international buyers of U.S. property. So so right from the get-go, we wanted to be resourceful and we wanted to be an extension of their existing relationship in Canada, but south of the border. So that's where we found. And since then, now we have over 425,000 Canadian clients in the U.S. And it's all digital. It's all direct. There is no brick and mortar. Everything is done remotely. If you are in Vancouver or you are in Halifax and you're looking to buy in California or looking to buy in Florida or in Boston, we can help you.
3: And in terms of financing, is that – does your – Canadian portfolio and and credit rating and all the things that usually are required to to get a mortgage here in Canada. Does that is that useful when you're when you're looking to bank uh, with RBC in the U.S. and purchase properties?
1: Yes, exactly. Because we are a national residential lender, the difference between RBC Bank and the other the U.S. banks or Canadian-owned bank in the U.S. We are fully dedicated to help Canadians, only Canadians. So we don't actually, uh, domestically speaking, in the U.S., we don't work with the local domestic U.S. market. For us, you know, uh, our main uh, focus is about Canadians, uh, not just to provide solution in financing, banking, but also to provide the right advice and the right information, the right resources, because, as you know, two different countries, Uh, laws, rules, regs, uh, terminology, and all that, a lot of differences. So we need to educate about those to make sure that our Canadian clients are, you know, they can trust RBC, of course, from the Canadian side, but they can do the same from us uh, with us in the US because we're there to help them to achieve their goal. And, And we realized that very early in that process. So we qualify Canadians based on their credit history, assets, income, and, of course, debts that they have in Canada. So, we basically, we are a U.S. bank, but we can qualify Canadians based on their, of course, everything they own and they have and they earn uh, north of the border.
3: And what are some things Canadians need to know about U.S. mortgages, uh, which, as we understand, are oh. quite quite different? It might be a whole podcast, but... We'll, we're willing to we're willing to do the whole podcast on it if it requires.
1: <laughs> yeah, certainly. And, and you know what? This is the high level answer uh, that I realistic with the the time we have today. But it, it is quite different. And and you know, for you and, and I spent half my career north of the border, so I know that in Canada can take like a week. Uh, within a week, you can get a mortgage from approval to to uh, closing. So here, when I do presentation to uh, American uh, realtors and real estate professional, I always, you know, explain, you know, the analogy that in Canada you can buy in the, uh, over the weekend, apply for a mortgage on Monday, and of course cl- uh, close at the end of the week and move the, the week after. Here in the U.S., it's a little bit more, I would say, cumbersome or more like a longer process. To, so, for example, for a mortgage uh, from application, when you have a an approved purchase contract. Then that's when you can apply for the full mortgage application. So you know, similar to Canada, we, we have to gather the documentation. So our mortgage advisors uh, only work with Canadians, so they they can speak kind of the Canadian in terms of the terminology and all that. So they provide the list of documentation. So all that process gathering, let's say, take a week. Then they it it pull, They get the of course their approval and then everything is planned after that for the closing. So all of that process is actually more between 35 to 45 days, the entire process. And it's not because they are Canadians or what we call you in the U.S. foreign nationals, but it is the way the mortgage business is all about here in the U.S. So as an American resident, Here, being 20 years, if I do a refinancing or I I do a mortgage, it will be the same thing. It will take me 35 to 40, 45 days turnaround time. However, we can pre-approve within three, three, four days. It's much easier, quick, uh, simple, because it's more uh, stated. However, when you are under contract and you want to apply for a mortgage, it's one thing that we need to know. It's there is never a closing within two to three weeks. Here it's more like the yeah, real estate professionals, they understand that, they know that for domestic and international. And they will plan usually the closing like forty-five or sixty days ahead of time. What about
3: um
2: I'm just thinking about like so Canadian mortgage often you have a 30 year or 25 or 30 year amortization period and a five year term. What what about the products that you offer and, and how do they differ?
1: Yes, and in in terms of differences, this is a, a part of it. Here, all our mortgages: two key differences. All thirty-year amortization. There is no stress test, test, and we don't have. I uh, mean, the, the, all the mortgages that we offer at RBC Bank and most of the U.S. banks and lenders, they all open mortgage. So that's few key differences right there. In the last thirty seconds, that's. Uh, We we talked on that. So, those are differences. So, here's the thing for example, RBC Bank, the products we offer for our Canadian clients are terms of three, five, seven, or 10 years, all amortized over 30 years. And uh, currently, of course, the rates went up in the last few months, like in Canada, but the the rates are between like six and a quarter to six and a half currently for those terms. However, all the terms that we offer, the if you let's say you book at six and a half, for example, for seven years, and then in two years, three years, from now we go back to the lower uh, rate level that we experienced, uh, you know, last year, or the year before, you can refinance. You can simply, you know, repay your existing mortgage and take a uh, course application for a new uh, mortgage at a lower rate. However. Each time you do that, you of course have to encounter what we call here the closing cost, which most of those costs are third party related. Of course, there is always like the appraisal, there's always like, of course, uh, the lender uh, fees and, and, and that, but most of those fees are what we call the uh, third party. Uh, for example, in Florida, you have like the spend tax of the state of Florida $7 per, per Taza. You have also the uh, the title insurance and, and all those third party fees and taxes, which vary. This vary between states. So, for example, Florida closing cost uh, in global it's about three percent more or less of the of the amount of the loan. If it's a uh, line of credit or if it's a a, a mortgage, it, it is usually about three percent. Arizona, for example, will be more around the 2% range, and California will be more around the 4 4.5%. And those actually are mostly, uh, it's unlike like in Canada or in Ontario when you have the land tax to pay to a third party or, or the lawyer to do the closing, or you have, of course, like in Quebec, uh, the welcome tax or in BC, other third-party taxes. So here in the US, we tend to bulk all those fees to third parties and the lender at the end, at the closing table, when you have, of course, the closing agent uh, who is taking care of that or the ESCO or the, the title company that do the closing, that's when all those fees are breaking down to different parties at the closing table at the end. So this is why always Canadians think, oh, yeah, but the closing costs in the U.S. are much higher than in Canada. Really, not not necessarily because they are bought at that uh, uh, closing table instead of being paid separately throughout the process. So, title insurance, like you have in Canada, or you know, appraisal, and all those uh, those fees and stamp tax, or other things from the local government. So, this is basically kind of a clarify a little bit about this myth. Of uh, higher closing cost
2: in the US, and if I understand, Alan, the the bulk of that is going to be in the lender fees. Is that correct? Uh, it,
1: it, exactly, because what we do is we um, the the, clo- the closing um, uh, of course uh, agent will prepare like a, what we call you know an itemized uh, closing uh, sheet, a report with all the itemization of all those third party fees plus. So the three days prior to the closing. The closing can be made in your backyard in Vancouver to buy a property in Arizona, and we are our home office and our team of mortgage close uh, mortgage professionals are based in Raleigh, North Carolina. So for us, we can work remotely like that. You can't. You don't even have to move or 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 uh, travel in the U.S. to do a closing with our B.C. bank because. We can work with mail-away closing and all that, as long as we have, of course, a legal notary-slash-lawyer witness to finalize that. So we can work on that. One exception, though, since we talked about it, is California. California is a little bit of a different beast in terms of a state regulation. They don't allow those non situs closing, which is an exception, but most of the other states is no problem. And, and that's really where you have, you know, all... Three days prior, one of the regulatory requirements is to provide this itemized HUD, the itemized list of those fees and and costs to the borrower, so they know exactly what to expect at the closing.
2: So it sounds like, generally speaking, in that area of about 3%, somebody's going to need that as well uh, when they're thinking about their down payment and purchasing property in the U.S., What are some of the legal considerations for Canadians related to foreign ownership, taxes, and uh, property restrictions, if any?
1: Yes. And this is an area, Adam and Matt, of really, I will say that a lot of Canadians, unfortunately, don't spend enough time from the get-go to clarify those cross-border legal, tax and state issues related with U.S home ownership by Canadians. From, it might be a legal side, it might be on the tax side or estate side. So, of course, as we know, each province may have some differences, of course, in Canada, but in the U.S., basically, it is important. My my best advice on that, uh, Adam and Matt, is always to seek professional cross-border legal tax estate advice from the beginning of the process. Because, each family situation is different. Uh, for example, in the U.S., we have gift tax, which you don't have in Canada. The same, so everything over fourteen thousand dollars, for example, if you put your kids on title and you buy a home, if the, the kids are not paying their dues, let's say two kids, two adult, uh, you know, spouse, uh, spouses, and, and two kids it's like 25% ownership each. But if the kids don't pay their deal, it's considered, it's considered as a gift. And for example, that is an issue in the US because obviously like American citizen and, and resident, we do have a, a different tax treatment for gift, But for foreign nationals like Canadians, it's not a good thing to put the kids on title. Although, if the kids pay their dues, if they buy a four hundred thousand home and everyone is paying hundred thousand dollars, that is fine. If not, it's considered as a gift and it's taxable in the U.S. and it's taxable from the grantor, from the person who made the gifter. So, so it, it is all. There are a lot of issues like that to first avoid double taxation. If you have a capital gain uh, when you sell the property and you realize good capital gain to mitigate the impact of the taxes in the U.S. and Canada. And you know you know well that Canada and the U.S. has a, a wonderful tax treaty that allows Canadians to mitigate the impact of the taxes as long as they know what the ground rules are and they seek Professional cross-border tax advice for a Canadian or American who is familiar with those rules. For for example, some ownership structure. There's a lot of options. Uh, It's important that they they customize that based on their needs, the purpose of the property. If they want to rent the property, of course, the income from the rent here in the US is taxable in the US. But what usually you have to pay the US can be credited to what you will have to pay in Canada as, of course, rental income. So all of things to say that it is important to, right at the get-go, seek professional advice to get those issues clear, understood, and and structure the best ownership, uh, of course, structure as possible in, in their case.
3: It sounds like uh, that that's one of the largest mistakes Canadians make, uh, not kind of doing their due diligence around the legal and tax implications of purchasing a property. Can you talk about some of the other big mistakes Canadians make when buying real estate in the U.S.?
1: Yes, some, sometimes they, and again, just around those legal tax, just to wrap up on that, I, I just want to reinforce that this is why for us, our BC Bank, uh, Adam and Matt, we, we really want to be like holistic and the way we can be resourceful for the Canadians uh, buying U.S. real estate. So not only we can provide, of course, a cross-border banking solutions and financing appropriately, but we also want to provide the tools, the resources from external and internal partners who can help them in their journey, uh, the cross-border journey. Because, you know, we have uh, a number of those cross-border uh, advisors who are professional attorneys or, U.S. attorneys, Canadian attorneys based in Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal, who have been working with with us uh, along this uh, long last 18, 20, uh, almost 20 years now. So they are used to help. They are specialized like cross-border firms that help Canadians. So they work with us closely. So we they, they can find them. Actually, they're listing in our website, and they can seek advice. And because of those long-term relationship we have with those people, usually the first the first consultation is done on a courtesy basis by them. They are external professionals, but they are kind of helping and assisting uh, the the clients with those issues. Uh, the other things that Canadians sometimes forget is, you know, that they forget that they can get financing in the U.S. So, for example, right now the average purchase price in in last year for Canadians was around $500,000 US. So if you buy a property at $500,000 US currently, that is about $175,000 more in Canadian dollars because obviously the Canadian dollar is between 72 and 73 cents currently, which is 37, 38% exchange. So with, with that, it's understanding that what are my options what are the key considerations of this project or opportunity to to buy or invest in the U.S. and do, like you said, their due diligence properly from the get-go, and and work on that to make it as seamless and even full, even even less, sorry, as possible with those resources with those tools, with that insight, advice that they can have access to. And this is why we built what we call the All Plus Advantage program for them, is because we try to do like a one-stop shop that can provide them the guidance that they need from dream to doorstep.
2: Hey, everyone. Pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible.
1: We want to
3: take a minute to tell you about Holy House, a nonprofit organization that provides community building programs and tenant support services to low-income seniors, veterans, families, and vulnerable residents in the downtown east side and across the lower mainland. Melissa from our team has been volunteering at Holy House. Melissa, what's been your experience?
0: Honestly, it's been so fulfilling just to spend a few hours a week in the community and watch how the staff really transforms these vulnerable communities from the inside out. Starting with just small things, right? Playing games, drinking coffee, having some simple conversations that you wouldn't necessarily think are super fulfilling. And you come out just feeling like you have really made an impact and connected with the community.
3: And you've been to multiple buildings, but you're playing games, drinking coffee.
0: Yeah. You know, serving food sometimes. And you made
3: some friends along the and way. I've
0: made some friends along the way. It's really helped me be more present, actually in those moments of just, you know, realizing how simple life can be to make an impact, right?
3: Fantastic. And if you want to learn more, you can definitely check out Jenny Konkin, co-founder of Holy House, who is a past guest fan favorite on the show, or head over to holyhouse.ca where you can donate or volunteer. And they're looking for both donations and they definitely like volunteers.
0: That's holyhouse.ca. Vancouver needs your help. Be part of the solution.
3: We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to Oakland.com/slash join, type in vrp2020. That's Oakwind.com slash join. Type in VRP2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020.
2: Uh, Alain, what is the minimum down payment that someone has to put down? I'm just thinking right now with the weak Canadian dollar. And then as a, a second part to the question, how should how should buyers be considering the currency exchange and fluctuations? It seems like right now is a great time to be collecting rent from a U.S. rental property but maybe not so much a great time to be to be buying something. Uh, can you talk a little bit about about the uh, currency fluctuations?
1: Yeah, sure. And there are a number of different strategies and options for them right now. They just need, like I said, to do their homework. So currently, like I said, with the weaker Canadian dollar, last year we averaged 76 cents, which, you know, was 31%, 32% exchange. But, you know, historically speaking, it's not bad at all. Now we have seen the strength of, of the, Canadian, the US dollar against the Canadian dollar in the last couple of months. And our economists are actually forecasting that it could be remain under pressure around the 72 cents for a while. So it is important to figure that, OK, I want to buy this. Let's. Keep the example of the average purchase price last year, Canadians did in the U.S., $500,000. And don't get me wrong, $500,000, I know in Vancouver, doesn't buy you a lot of real estate. But in in states like Florida or Arizona, where the average home price is actually lower than $500,000, you can buy a still much more real estate. However, the currency is against them. So it's important to start to figure what is my price point, what I'm looking for, where, and and what kind of lifestyle or slash investment I want to make. Do I want to use the property a part of the year? Do I want to go back and forth between Canada and US because I'm not retired and active boomers and i go back and forth with my family and but while not there i want to rent the property maybe so so for all those considerations this is important you can understand as professional uh, real estate professional that's important that they set their objectives and of course their budget and and look at their options so like I said, if we take the example of $500,000 last year at the 76 average, you can, if you get a financing for 80%, for a second home, which most of Canadians are looking for second home, it's 20% down, which means that that $500,000 or $100,000 must be exchanged from Canadian dollar to US, but the 40%. Eighty percent, or the four hundred thousand dollars, will become uh, from will come from a U.S. mortgage, which you will not have to pay the, of course, the currency exchange on that. Of course, you will have a monthly repayment, obviously, uh, mortgage payment, principal and interest in U.S. dollar. But you kind of average your cost over the next three years, five years, seven years, ten years. So basically. On average, Canadian dollar usually is between 76 to 80 cents in the last 10, 10 years. So, this is why it's important to see what their options are. And you know, the other thing, too, actually, is that down payment, of course, will will uh, have to have the closing cost, let's say 2 3% more. So, basically, for an example of 500,000 using the last year average rate, when I say last year, up to about a month and go 76 cents, Canadians can save $124,000 at closing by financing 80% of their purchase for a $500,000 purchase price. However, right now it will be a little bit more because obviously the dollar is more than 72, 73 cents. So that's one thing. Then the second thing is, yes, interest rates are higher than they were you know, a few months ago, three, four months ago, for sure. But still at six, six 6.5%, historically speaking, it's not that bad. Of course, we entertain low interest rate environment in Canada, U.S., and globally uh, the past two, three years. But obviously, this is behind us now. So being realistic, what can I I afford monthly for my budget? And then the first thing is to get also the pre-approval so they know exactly how much they can, if they match their objective of what they're looking to buy with their budget in in a specific market, for example, uh, Phoenix or in Arizona or the west side of the valley or, you know, or here in Florida. So they can find what they can get for four hundred, five hundred, or $700,000. And if this, then they do the research on, on what will be the rate financing that, what will be the exchange on the down payment, the 20% down, get the pre-approval so they know that they qualify for a mortgage for X amount of money. And just align all
3: those uh, those dots. Fantastic. We know you're in South Florida, so you presumably know that market best. But but can you speak a little bit to to how the the real estate market in the in the US and South Florida specifically is doing currently? And our understanding, I guess, is that it it seems to be still relatively robust, considering, I guess, the stock market and all the other economic news.
1: Yeah, yeah, certainly. And of course, for my uh, role uh, all over Florida or the Sunbelt States, where Canadians are buying the most. So just to give you like a high level overview, quick quick overview of the, the market, in the last three years with the pandemic and everything else we know, the US real estate market kind of moved the same way than the Canadian real estate market. Of course, short inventory, multiple offers, uh, and, and of course, an inc- an, a significant increase year-over-year year of, da- of the home value. So if you look at it last year from the National Association of Realtors, or so the international report, which covers April 1st, 2021 to March 31st, 2022, Canadians uh, invested $5.5 billion of U.S. real estate, they represent 11,300 uh, residential purchase transactions for an average price of just a little bit shy of $500,000. But do you know where they purchase the most? Again, the top three Sunbelt states. Florida, number one, 45% of that, 2.6 billion was purchased in the Sunshine State. Second, 23%, Arizona. And of course, the Valley of the Sun and all that is very compelling affordability there also, like Florida, and of course, a wide range of uh, home price for depending on the budget. So, one about $1.3 billion there. And uh, 12% uh, as a third state was California, mainly Southern California. But of course, there is a premium there. It's more high end, of course, real estate, more expensive. So, if you look at it, 80% of the total amount that Canadians invested last year in the US, uh, Adam and Matt, was done in the, those three top states. Why? First of all, of course, uh, we know it's all year long warm, sunny weather in those three states. Lifestyle, uh, like you in BC, I mean, sometimes it's not sunny, but you're out there and you do outdoor a- activities. So, from the lifestyle standpoint, those Sundown states offer a lot of opportunities and activities. Asset diversification, of course, you know, having a piece of property in the US when you own already a few properties in Canada is is great, healthy, of course, strategy to diversify assets. Affordability, obviously, like I said, Arizona and Florida. So what we have seen over the last three years is similar to most of the market in Canada, like twenty five to forty percent increase over the last uh, two years. Uh, we re- reached the peak, I will say a few months ago, like springish time. And uh, and of course, now it was a strong seller market, obviously, uh, and everything else we know. But now it's shifting toward more like a balanced market. So now we see, of course, more inventory, less uh, purchase transactions. So obviously, there's more opportunities for buyers than it was like uh, six, seven, eight months ago. So that's now it, in the, I would say, softened a little bit in the last two months, like Few percent less uh, in some markets, but the economists are forecasting that from the peak in uh, February March to the lowest point, expecting like in spring 2023, the U.S. real estate market should correct soft uh, sustain a bit by 4.5 percent. While in Canada, of course, maybe the increase was a little bit more steep, uh, more high, higher than that, but they predict that it will be more an adjustment of, in the range of maybe up to 14% from the peak in six months ago, six seven months ago to the low the lower point in this spring 2023. So this is why it's pretty stable, especially in those states, uh, Adam and Matt, you see that you have a lot of, re- a wide range of op- buying opportunities. If your budget is $250,000, you may find something, of course. If your budget is three-quarters of a million or a million dollars, you will find something there as well. So those Florida and Arizona markets have a lot to offer from from this standpoint. And then I just want to wrap up on this uh, about the long-term or sh- and or short-term rental uh, potential. Because those are strong seasonal uh, short-term mark- uh, rental markets, obviously. Or also a lot of people have been moving from northern states the domestic migration as we experienced in the last few years due to covid the people moving from the north to the south and enjoying more like freedom and outdoor and all that i mean it's been realistic and and you see that migration so the prices are still consistent a little bit of with yes but uh very healthy uh, more balanced and i will say still just as an example, average purchase price for a state like Florida is actually around $400,000 U.S. Arizona, about $450,000, while California will be more in the range of $800,000. So when you com- combine all that, you see that there's a lot of opportunity for Investor or Canadian younger boomers who are saying, you know, I want to earn a, own a piece of property under the sun and, and enjoy that a part of the year, maybe a rent when I'm not there. So, all of that accounted, maybe a good return on their investment, you know, from a rental standpoint, but also, uh, of course, value appreciation and, uh, over, uh, over the time. So, it, it is really still a window of opportunity for them to come to do
2: you have a, a, a city? from an investment perspective that you're most excited about?
1: Oh, that's an excellent question, for sure. You know what? There is, and again, you will understand quickly why I'm giving you that answer. One of the hottest markets in Florida right now, and and it's been for a few years, uh, but of course, post-pandemic now, but Orlando. Orlando or Central Florida, here for a few reasons. First of all, 70, 72 million people visiting Orlando each year. And when I say each year, it's not just in the summer or just in the winter. It is all year long, as you know, of course, for the theme parks and all, all that, uh, what Orlando is offering. Also, because a lot of constructions going on there uh, and medical field technology and everything else very diversify uh, domestic economy too. So a lot of migration from domestic, and and when I say Orlando, I can extend up to the west side, like the Tampa area as well, similar reason, but if you look at specifically Orlando, there's a lot of zoning, short-term rental zoning in the new communities. Uh, we have builders there like well-known in Canada, like Matani, uh Minto, Lenar was the biggest uh, builder in the U.S., so they all there, they' all in this uh, western part of Orlando because they have a land, they are expanding, they are building, and those most a lot of those communities offer and it's all the resort lifestyle communities. so like, you have the community pool, the clubhouse, a lot of that is golf and country club as well and and a lot of those uh, uh, communities have subdivisions that can be short term rental. When I say short term, I mean if for a week. Uh, rental or for you know a month uh, while other communities will have a minimum of a one month rental or other. So it's important to verify with the HOAs, the bylaws and the uh, regla- regulations around the rental. But Orlando has a lot to offer on that. So a lot of Canadians and and of course international buyers have been really looking at that market in the last uh, year or two because Price point also again quite affordable, good potential of of return with the the rental uh, short term and long term, and a lot of people cannot afford to buy a home for primary home. so they move there. They need to rent something, so that's another opportunity to to look at. But Orlando is definitely a hot market. Tampa is also uh, Tampa area is also a very good market, and of course Arizona has their opportunities on the west side of the valley of the sun like Goodyear, and and all this part of of course of uh, the valley of the sun that has a lot of land a lot of uh constructions going on and all that and also affordable opportunities uh, to invest as well
2: i'm just thinking vancouver just got a, a new direct flight to miami which is uh, i think a six-hour flight or seven-hour flight oh what what's uh how's miami doing
1: miami itself i will say is a Micro market. It is really high in. It's. I'll be honest. Miami itself is more like Vancouver, technically, because you know you have beautiful high rise condos, and of course not much land left. And then those beautiful high rise condo luxury, but they're more like a thousand dollar per square foot type of, you know, with amenities and all that. But it is, uh, and Miami lifestyle is quite different than uh, the West Coast of Florida or even uh, just like Fort Lauderdale or West Palm Beach, for example. But, you know, remember, you're only an hour away from Miami to Fort Lauderdale or another half an hour, uh, 45 minutes, and then you're in like more like the Boca, Delray, West Palm, which is more like a residential type golf and country club. So, Miami is by itself a very, very strong market, very unique market for that. But it's, it's not for everybody. And of course, it's a more pricey uh, market than the rest of, I would say, Florida, basically.
3: Alan, maybe as a, as a final question for you here, I know you mentioned the RBC forecast of, of, I think it was 4% declines potentially. What do you think the market will do um, in the next one, three and five years?
1: Okay. Yeah, I don't have, unfortunately, this crystal ball, but I will say that just the feel I got when I travel around and I've seen, of course, I'm very engaged with the real estate community and different areas. Of course, Southwest Florida got hit by Hurricane Ian, Fort Myers, and Sarasota area there, unfortunately, a couple weeks ago, as we know. So, it's a lot of rebuild there, a lot of communities and all that. So, I would say that Florida will remain Florida solid. for, for, you know, the short term and the longer term because now we're about 22 million residents in Florida. But you know what? There's still a lot of land to be developed, not necessarily in Southeast Florida, like Miami, Fort Florida, but like I said, on the West Coast of Florida or Central Florida or the Eastern Coast of Florida, like when you go for like Vero Beach and, and of course Palm Beach, North of West Palm Beach and all that. So there's a lot of... of uh, Again, there's a lot of domestic migration still going on. There's a lot of international investment going on, too, in this market. So it's sustained because of all that, you know. It, it, so I'm, I, I've am seen like a very positive, Yes, yeah, can be some bumps, some softening on the road, which is kind of healthy and, and normal at this point after the last few years increase that we experienced. But it is on the short term, I will say solid still, uh, Yes, yeah, some softening. Toughness. And then, uh, you know, in the long haul, two, three, four, five years from now, and I mean, if we go back to more and stay stable on the interest rate and all the uncertainty on on that side and, of course, recession and inflation and recession potentially early next year. So it's a market that by itself is resilient. Because of all that factors, of you know, not just the snowbirds that are coming here for six months, I'm just talking about more younger investor people who, from Canada, Europe, South America, coming down here, own the property here, enjoy the property, maybe rent it out when they're not using, and just have the lifestyle of piazzare uh, of of uh, something in the under the sun. And I will say that this is probably also the same thing I would think about uh, Arizona as well.
2: Well, maybe we'll leave it there, Alain. But um, can can you stick around? We've got this segment, The Five Wire, five lighthearted questions that we end the show uh, with every week. Can you stick around for that?
1: Uh, sure. Yes, totally.
2: <laughs> the Five Wire is brought to you by Scalina Real Estate. Hey. That sounds familiar. Scalina Real Estate is a full-service real estate company
3: serving Vancouver, offering comprehensive, tried and tested buyer and seller systems. With over a decade in the top 10% of realtors in the Lower Mainland and a perfect five-star Google review, Scalina Real Estate can help with all your real estate needs. We also have an
2: extensive network of the best industry professionals and trades right across the
3: country. There's no reason to not get in touch. Head over to scalinarealestate.com to find out more. <laughs> okay, so question number one, Alan. Uh,
2: one book that you would recommend for our listeners?
1: Oh, you, you know what? One one book uh, I uh, just realized is that fifty-year, you know, from Russia to Canada hockey uh, history. That's uh, just oh, right, the seventy-two ago, s- you know?
3: Super Series, yeah, or-
1: seventy-two. Exactly. No, I, I'm a big, uh, of course, hockey fan still. And I, I saw that book lately and I enjoy remembering. Uh, you might be too young for that. But for me, it's remember, remembering a lot of great, great memories from 72
3: uh, series. <laughs> right. Paul Henderson. Never forget. Elaine, yeah. uh, you you're on death row, which actually may still, I believe it exists in Florida. You're on death row. So be <laughs> careful. What's What's your last oh. meal?
1: Oh. <laughs> Whoa! Just step back a moment. Um, <laughs> well, well, you know what? Uh, I think we'll be uh, a nice filet mignon and it's <laughs> just to enjoy a good red meat meal.
2: <laughs> no, no poutine.
1: <laughs> no poutine, and you know what? Maybe a cold beer with that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, this is uh, one specifically for you, Ellen. Montreal, the Bahamas, or South Florida which which do you prefer?
1: Oh boy, that's a tough one. I enjoy each of course location, but I will say from a from a lifestyle weather standpoint, I, I kind of not used to the winter anymore. So I I, I will. <laughs> I have a lot of friends, clients, of course, family members in Montreal. We love to go back there, except in the winter time but uh Bahamas was lovely too. I will say that South Florida gets like everything there with less taxes, and of course all year long nice sunny weather, <laughs> I will say so I go for Florida
2: very, very good. uh, what have you been binge watching lately, or a a movie recommendation?
1: Oh boy, not you know not that much time lately, but uh. Yeah, what was the Netflix, uh, good series on Netflix. Um, and just, uh, I mean, House of Dragons, uh, not on Netflix, but of course for you in Canada. Oh, right, HBO. To, one. HBO, yeah, HBO, exactly. HBO Max, still uh, the same. I enjoyed that one because I, I love that, of course, Game of Thrones thing. And, and of course, that was a good sequel. That That is one that uh, is another one I just forgot the, the title title. Uh, but it's um, of course I, I enjoy Billions, uh, but it's a bit of a uh, maybe six months ago the the series Billions. I think it's on Prime.
3: Right. Yeah. Yeah. We we uh, it's it's come up a number of times on this podcast.
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Billions. I mean, I, I just enjoy that kind of you know <laughs> crazy world of Wall Street. I guess. <laughs> <laughs>
3: La- Last Ellen, something you have purchased for under fifteen hundred dollars uh, recently that has had a positive impact on your life?
1: Ooh, uh I think my paddle board. Oh, that's my a great one. Board. Yeah, I don't have a, uh, of course, a ski a slope around me like you just have next to uh, next to you in beautiful BC, but. But um, yeah, my paddle board—it's—you uh, it's, know what? I didn't want to have a, like a ten, eleven foot long board to put in my car and go there in Fort Lauderdale in the canal or waterways too. So now I—I I, I just bought for I think three, four hundred dollars, hundred uh, dollars, uh, and inflated one. So it's easy. I bring my things, put that in my. SUV, we get there do that for 2 hours around those big homes and the canal and all that near the ocean and just enjoy a 2 hour paddle boarding time which i really like and of course my road bike is a must too but it's been a long time that i bought my road bike so i'm a i'm a weekend warrior on my road bike as
2: well <laughs> well well then, as we uh, enter the winter months here in canada i think we're all a little envious of say, uh, your situation there uh, i'm sold I'm still on Florida.
1: <laughs> and you know I don't have to put my my uh, winter tires on my uh, road bike. <laughs> <laughs> on, your, on, your,
2: yeah, on the road bike.
1: But but it's pretty flat. It's pretty flat here though. And, and of course, you have the it's a different bike uh, experience when you bike of course in in BC, but uh yeah, I love uh, Vancouver and beautiful BC. I've been there a few a uh, few times A uh, uh, business and pleasure, but really uh, you know it's nice to have uh, both sides, but I'm fortunate that my daughter, son in law and granddaughter lives in Denver, Colorado. So we kind of have a little bit of similar B C lifestyle when we get there. Nice.
2: Well well, Lynn, we're we're gonna link to um we're gonna link to the RBC mortgage website in our in our show notes, but how can people find out more about you and what you're up to and if they wanna get in touch?
1: Yeah, I appreciate again the opportunity, uh, Adam and Matt. But, you know what? Uh, for me, it's I know it's we. We've been doing a lot of education. We have a series actually of of uh, uh, virtual advice events. We host three legal tax estate partners: one from Vancouver, uh, Jonah uh from Broaden; another one from Toronto; another one from Montreal. The three of them will talk about owning, buying, selling, renting U.S. real estate, and it's a ninety-minute webinar. And it's uh, educational. Um, we did one economic outlook last week. We did one yesterday on real estate, U.S. real estate. So we do that every winter, and we had thousands and thousands of registration for those. It just shows that what you do, uh, provide information and and relevant advice, relevant insights, is is still a uh, a lot of value. And uh, tomorrow, I'll send you the link uh, if you. That, that, that. But if you register, anyway, if you cannot attend. It's between 1 uh, to 2.30 Eastern time. If you cannot attend, uh, it's recorded. You get the content and everything of that. And we are talking about that. You, you can learn in 90 minutes the key cross-mortem legal tax estate. Because I'm a banker. I cannot really provide, of course, any direct advice and all that. But those people are experts in their uh, their field. And we have three top uh, advisors who will be with us tomorrow on the panel.
2: Well, fantastic. Well, what we'll do is we'll link, we'll link to that uh, on, our, on our show notes. And, and thanks again, Alan, for taking the
3: time today. We really appreciate it. Yeah, it was a great, great, insightful conversation.
1: My pleasure. Anytime you know where to find me, uh, it will be my pleasure to help you or your listeners. And, and of course, RBC, like I said, bank.com backslash HPA. There's a lot of resources and all that, like I was talking about, bring to, to doorstep that are available. And, and, and of course, your listeners can, can learn and be educated, find the resources, the tools you need. And appreciate again the opportunity. And thank you so much for that.
2: Okay. Have a great day.
1: You too. Bye.
3: So there you have it, folks, our discussion with Alain Forge, vice president, head of sales and business development at the Royal Bank of Canada down in Florida. And this is where Adam would come in and say, you know, I really enjoyed that conversation with Alan, Matt. And he did actually, but there was a corrupt file, if you can believe it. It took to the last episode doing the outro, the last episode of 2022 for a file to get corrupted where we cannot save it. And I can't get a hold of Adam because he's on a rooftop patio, I'm guessing, uh, in Cartagena enjoying himself. So a fitting way to end the year. This is our last episode of 2022. We will be back the second week of 2023. I think we've mentioned a number of times. We have already lined up a number of heavy hitters to start the year. So look forward to that. We're starting with past guest fan favorite, Clint Murphy. If you're bored over the next couple of weeks and need a fix of V-Rep, I would strongly suggest either listening to that episode again. And if you missed it, definitely go back and check out Clint Murphy. He was on in 2022. He is so good at breaking down strategies for retirement planning, goal setting, just an amazing conversation. And we're having him back to talk about 2023 goals. That will be the second week of January. And other than that, I'm not even going to mention our website, VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com, where all things real estate related live. But I will say we did want to uh, wish everyone a happy holidays and a happy new year. We will be back early 2023. It's going to be a big year for VREP. This last year was fantastic. And thank you so much for listening.